Amen. Amen. Turn around and say hello to someone. Greet them today. And then be seated. Amen. Amen. Ours is an old-fashioned Bible-believing, Bible-preaching, Bible-reaching, Bible-teaching, hopefully Bible-behaving church. I believe every word, every word of the King James Bible, I believe it's inspired and preserved, and God has given it to us for a very important reason. And if you'd like to join me right now, I think we need to begin on the right foot today. Take your King James Bible, hold it up. If you haven't got one, there's one in front of you on the back of the pew there. All right, hold it up. And if you believe what I believe, you can say it out loud after me. I believe the Bible is the Word of God. I believe there are no mistakes in it. And God helping me, I'm going to try to obey it. Can I get an amen on that? Amen. Amen. Now, let me tell you why the King James Bible is inspired and preserved. Because God chose the right group of men under the control of the Holy Spirit to take the right manuscripts, not the ones that were intentionally corrupted, but the right preserved manuscripts, and then by proper order, with six different committees over a period of seven years. They diligently compared until everybody agreed with every word. Every word. This is not the work that we have in our hands of some fly-by-night human organization. This is God's book. God wrote this book. We ought to, we ought to shake and tremble in awe and respect for this book right here. As my friend Jewel Smith, now with the Lord, used to say, as he'd stand up and he'd preach about the old King James Bible, he'd say, when you, when you ring out this book, you get the blood of the martyrs. So many people died so that we could have a copy of the Word of God. And I will tell you, there will not be a revival that is nationwide, regional, or worldwide. There will not be, there will not be a worldwide revival based on some corrupt Bible. There will be a worldwide revival based on the true Bible, the Word of God. We need to get into the Bible until the Bible gets into us. Can I get an amen on that? Amen and amen. Well, we are all for revival. Our special project of giving last month, was for our deaf outreach. And our Go Deaf missionary is Anna Gilkey. You can see her picture on the missions wall out here. And uh, she is faithfully serving the Lord and here and around the world. And uh, the, the team is going to go to Australia. And I want to tell you right now, praise God, over the course of last month, you raised $5,800 to help her get there. Come on, amen, amen. Good job. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. That's good. Now, this month, our special project is called Revival. And you have, in front of you there, you have an envelope that says, Prepare for Revival. And we are participating in a big, a big national revival. I'll be leading the music up in Indiana later on this month. And uh, 
we are contributing toward that revival. And then there are other uh, meetings, camp meetings, uh, tent meetings, uh, uh, citywide meetings around the country to stir up God's people and uh, their interest in old-fashioned, old-time, old-paths revival. And that's the only kind that we have anything to do with. So I want you to give the very best you can. Over and above your tithes and offerings, thank you so much as you give toward national and international revival. Praise the Lord. Uh, in your Bible reading, if you're reading through the Bible, we have a special app that's been prepared by Brother Tyler. My, the, I tell you what, the numbers have been just flying high uh, with the IT ministry around here. How many hits last month did we have? 45,000 hits. So, praise the Lord, that's a God thing. That's God raising the interest of people. We've gotten so many new subscribers, we've never seen anything like it. Got several yesterday. Got one on visitation, praise the Lord. All right, so folks are tuning in. We've got these little short clips. How many of you are being blessed by the little short clips? They, they, they do really well. You can, you can you know, send them everywhere to all your contacts. And uh, we do uh, the best representation on what platform? Not YouTube, but Facebook. Facebook is the best representation, and that's just amazing. So praise God we can get the word out. That is fantastic. And one of the apps that Brother Tyler has in himself developed that's up there is called Read Your Bible Through, right? ReadYourBibleThrough.com, right? All right. And you can go on. And today's Bible reading is 2 Kings 20, 21 and 22, Philippians 4 and Colossians 1. If you get those read, you'll be right on schedule. Say, what if I didn't get started? Then start where we are and go back and catch up later. All right, want you to do that. Read your Bible through. Amen and amen. Got some special things going on this month. It's just a special month, the month of June. Next Saturday, we have a special work day. I want you to come out at 8 a.m. and work for a couple of hours. We're going to do some deep cleaning and some other things around here that need to be done. If you can't come out 8 a.m. next Saturday, then see Brother Tyler and he'll try to arrange an alternate time for you to come. 8 a.m. is the time that we're scheduling for our special uh, monthly work day. We have a work day every week, but this is our monthly work day to do extra special deep cleaning and other things around here. And doesn't it look great? Uh, listen, when you see the guys that work on the exterior, I'm talking about on the landscaping and on the lawn cutting and all that, you thank them because they're beautifying these grounds that belong to God. And they've done a wonderful job. Praise the Lord. We appreciate that so very much. Now, in two weeks, two weeks from today, we have Father's Day. Bring your dad or bring somebody's dad. Let's honor the dads. We'll have a little... A memento to give to every man that's here. We'll have special music along that theme of Father's Day. Don't miss the 19th. On the 26th, we'll have our promotion throughout the Sunday school and then the morning service. All of the kids and adults who have gone through a program in this last term and have been graduated or promoted from one major level to the next will receive a, a gift certificate to our bookstore. We're going to stock up and have a great time. Then on the Sunday evening of the 26th, we are going to have our Bible Institute graduation. Our 16th year, praise the Lord. Many of you have been involved in it. <clears throat> Just promise on your honor to get through all the studies. We'll have certificates for everybody. 
and we'll have some special honors as well. When we go offline here in just a little while, we'll, we'll conduct some business and we'll have some special things going on that day also. Following the evening service, we'll have Cake and Coffee Fellowship. And then coming up in July, oh my, oh my, July, we are going to have us a time. Barbecue and potluck picnic on the 4th of July. That's a Monday. Please come out. We'll set up at 8, 9, 10 o'clock we'll crank up. We'll go until 2 o'clock. We're going to have the things like we used to do, except we're not putting up the tent, guys. Instead, we're going to work from indoors and then have some things outdoors also. I need four men to come very quickly, and I need, I need folks to sign up. Please sign up if you would. Please go that direction. Go that direction. Thank you very much. And sign up. And don't just bring one item. Bring enough to feed your whole flock, everybody. And praise the Lord. We're going to have a great time of fellowship on the 4th of July. Our country's 246th birthday. That's a lot of candles on the cake. Amen and amen. We'll have a message Following the meal at noon, the message will be patriotic, but also folks get saved every time we have one of these events. So invite folks out. Remind them it is a Christian activity, a church activity. Conservative, modest dress will prevail. Even though it's casual, please uh, keep in mind what our standards are and uh, plan to be part of this. And then off in August, don't miss it. We're going to have training sessions for our soul-winning booth outreach at the Prince William County Fair. I'm excited about that. I can't wait. Last time we were out there, we had 240 that we recorded that received Jesus Christ as Savior. Gave out 6,000-plus tracks and uh, got calls back after the fact that these folks had prayed to receive Jesus Christ. I think that's exciting. And uh, I stay excited most of the time. Well, amen. If you haven't got a bulletin, you need to raise your hand right now. George is waiting to give a bulletin to everybody. Uh, and uh, who else needs one? Come on, need a bulletin? Get a bulletin, all right. And on the bulletin, we have a prayer warrior. They're kneeling down, bending the knee and praying. Why? Because we believe that God hears and answers prayers. Uh, if you are viewing online right now, I'd like to welcome all of you. Uh, you can scroll down and tap in the right spot and get a copy, uh, a digital copy of this bulletin. I look at that fellow. He's got his Bible. He's kneeling by his bed. That, that uh, looks like a 21st century millennial guy that's, uh, that's doing uh, 21 centuries worth of kneeling down and praying. Amen. Do I believe that God can? I believe God can and God will, but it depends on God's people. You know what it says in 2 Chronicles 7, 14, if, first word is if, if my people which are called by my name, if they'll humble themselves and, and seek God's face and turn from their wicked ways, then God will hear from heaven, will heal their land. He's going to, he's going to restore, He is going to make things the way they should be and they ought to be in answer to, in response to our prayers. I have a favorite song, not my all-time favorite song, but I have a song that I love to sing. Once I wandered alone in blackness of night, once I struggled along 
far from God and right. Then I saw I was lost, and in my despair I fell upon my knees in prayer. I was down on my knees, Mosey Lister wrote. And that's the old-fashioned way, the old-time way of getting through to God. The God of heaven wants to hear us pray. He wants to see us down on our knees. He wants to know that we mean business. And prayer is essential if we are going to see God move in our midst. I'm thankful today that our God is a God who hears and answers our prayers. In your bulletin, you have a number of sample prayers by great servants of God of the past. And we, we don't believe in simply reading somebody's prayers, but these are examples that may inspire you. And, and how many of you can remember maybe someone remarkable in your life really getting hold of God in prayer when they would pray out loud? Uh, maybe, maybe a preacher, maybe an old-time evangelist, uh, maybe mom or dad or grandma or grandpa. How many of you have somebody like that in your memory banks that when they pray, it, it's not just uh, like they're saying something over and over again like vain repetition, but they really got a hold of God, really got a hold of and touched heaven. How many of you know somebody, remember somebody like that in your life? How many of you wish you could pray prayers like that? Amen. Amen. All the time. All the time. We ought to be praying like that. I remember Clyde Kendall, now in heaven. Clyde Kendall was an evangelist friend of mine, and he was unique in many ways. We had him in for special meetings on a number of occasions. I remember he'd point that bony finger, and he'd say to Christians, he'd put, listen, he'd put you under conviction. <laughs> he would say, where's the evidence? Where's the evidence that you're saved, you know? I mean, he was quite the guy. But we had a, a prayer meeting of all the men meeting on Saturday night prior to the meeting with Dr. Kendall opening up Sunday morning. He was staying in our prophet's chamber right there that was built uh, over the garage next to uh, the, the parsonage. And it was a very, very nice uh, little apartment up there. And uh, he came over for prayer because we had advertised men's prayer meeting. And we had down front in our former pastorate, we had a long bench that you could kneel down. Kind of like on the front here when people come and pray, but it was right through the middle down here. You had to step around it. And so our, our men were there getting ready to pray, and in came long, tall Clyde Kendall. World War II uh, fighter plane pilot. Uh, famous for what he did, and, and big strapping guy. Now, uh, up in his age, in his 70s, approaching 80, no doubt, at that time, but now in heaven. Anyway, he came on down, just ramrod straight, and he knelt down. And I never saw such a big guy get so far down, but he got down. And it came time for prayer, and, and there are a few of us that prayed, and after after we heard him pray, we thought, man, we, we didn't even get past the plaster compared to him. It came his turn to pray. And Clyde Kendall, long silence, an embarrassing silence. I wondered if maybe he was overwhelmed and overcome and couldn't pray. And maybe I should just jump in and, you know, have somebody else pray. 
Long silence. You know why? He was getting into God's presence. Took his time. That's kind of like Dr. Richard Weeks, little short teacher, professor in Bible college. When he was asked to pray, he would stand up and he'd stand about like this. And he closed his eyes. And we'd all be standing there in chapel in Bible college for the longest time. And finally he'd pray because he was coming into God's presence. He didn't just rush into it. But he came into God's presence the right way with, with due respect. Clyde Kendall down there. I never saw such a tall man get so far down. And there he is down there and literally lying on the floor. And all of a sudden, the first thing that came out of his mouth was a groaning. And he said, oh, oh, God, oh, God. And about that time, my heart's ripping apart. He says, God, forgive us. You're such a great God, and we're such sinners. He said, oh, God, send us revival. And he pled with God. And he really, he got a hold of the, the horns on the altar. He got a hold of and touched heaven. Praise the Lord. I wonder, for a lot of prayers, some more serious, others less serious, but God has taught me some things about prayer that hopefully will help us today. The scripture that we have today is from the book of James. The book of James and chapter number 5. James chapter 5, back of the Bible. James chapter 5. And it says in verse 13, Is any among you afflicted? Let him pray. Before we ever go anywhere else, we should pray. Even if you're in the process of calling the paramedics on your way to ER or whatever, you should pray. You should pray. Is any merry? Let him sing psalms. Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick, and the Lord shall raise him up. And if he have committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. Now, I see, this, this is a, a basket, a prayer basket to catch all of the different circumstances of life. Because I would venture to say in this room today, we have people who are married. We have people who are sick. We have people who need to pray about their sin and people who need to pray for others. And all of it's covered here. It says in verse 16, it says, Confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that ye may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. There it is. Elias was a man subject to like passions as we are, and he prayed earnestly that it might not rain, and, he rained not, and it rained not on the earth by the space of three Years and six months, and he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth brought forth her fruit. Back up there in verse 15, it says, And if he have committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. So prayer is a basket, as we see in this case. Everybody's circumstance and situation 
can be contained in this basket of prayer. There's nobody, there's nobody who is prohibited from praying. Everyone is encouraged to pray and to partake of what's in this prayer basket today. I'm saying that everybody in the sound of my voice needs to pray. And we could all stand to pray more often. The Bible says pray without ceasing. That means always be in a state, in an attitude of prayer. And pray about everything under every circumstance, in every situation. We should be people of prayer. I would say today, if I stand indicted, it is in this area that we don't, and I don't, but in particular, pray as I ought to. I ought to pray more often. I ought to pray more consistently. I ought to pray about everything, all the time, in every situation, for everyone else that I can possibly pray for. We never run out of subjects for which and for whom to pray. God has given us this privilege. Let everyone that hath breath praise the Lord, the Scripture says. But I say to you, let everyone who has breath pray to the Lord as well. Amen. 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 Something God taught me about prayer. You can turn up the flame. How many of you have the old gas stove where the flame actually comes up? And you prefer to cook that way. All right, you don't prefer to cook that way? You'd like us to come by and pick it up for you, would you? Okay, all right, very good. But usually on the front of those, you can turn it up and the flame goes up, doesn't it? It gets a little higher. I don't know if there's a limit. must be a limit. can't get, you know, too high. But turn it up, turn it up, turn it up. And I'm saying we need to turn up the heat. We need to pray more fervently than ever before. We need to pray all the time about everything and we need to pray those kind of fervent, those warmer prayers. It's important that we do. Why? Because God is all business when it comes to the matter of hearing and answering our prayer. We ought to be all business about praying too. We ought to shake up our prayer life a little bit so that we don't simply go through the motions again and again and again and again. I'm tired of hearing the same phrases. I'm tired of saying the same phrases. We ought to pray. Yes, come respectfully, come appropriately, come, come sincerely, but let's not come in a boring fashion. Let's not come in a lackadaisical, lazy fashion. Let's come in an earnest and sincere fashion. When I was younger, I heard the phrase, tarrying in prayer. Tarrying in prayer. And I think some folks have the wrong idea about tarrying in prayer. Because it doesn't take God any time at all to answer on His part. I'll tell you where the time invested ought to be. On our part. On our part. You see, you and I can't just live any way we want to live and then come to God on the fly and talk to Him like He's some sugar daddy or somebody who is going to just, you know, He's going to write us another check. He's just going to support us in our folly and, and we can continue on in our lifestyle however it is. It doesn't work that way. If we're going to come into God's presence... This idea of tarrying is not that 
God needs more time. It's that we require more time. Doesn't take God any time to save a lost soul. When Peter was out there walking on the water and he took his eyes off of Jesus and he began to sink as he was going down into the waves because he wasn't looking to Jesus. He was looking at the, the wind and the waves around him and he cried out, Lord, save me. And it didn't take the Lord any time at all to reach down and pull him up out of that water. It doesn't take God any time to save a lost soul. It doesn't take any time for God to answer a prayer and to heal somebody or to correct a situation or to fix what's wrong or to make something right. But it takes time for us so many times because you know what? We're just not willing to get right with God. We're just not willing to meet God's terms. I'm speaking to a group of good people, good-hearted folks today. Thank God for you. I'm speaking to people out here who are listening and uh, are viewing online. And praise God for everybody who has a desire for God. And I understand that, but all of us could use some help and all of us could use some spiritual work. And what God taught me about tarrying is God does not need to tarry in order to save. God does not need to tarry in order to heal. God does not need to tarry in order to empower us. God does not need to tarry in order to send us revival. But many times we need to tarry because we're not ready. May God enable us to pray warmer prayers, fervent prayers. That's what it means. A warmer prayer. A fervent prayer. Get those prayers answered. My wife shared with me a book this week about the most effective prayers of the Bible. And I'm just going to read the contents. We have the prayer of Eliezer. That was the servant of Abraham gone to find, of course, a, a bride, a bride, Rebecca for Isaac. And then there's the prayer of Jacob and the prayer of Moses and the prayer of Gideon and the prayer of Hannah that she might have a child and the prayer of David and the prayer of Jabez and the prayer of Solomon, the prayer of Elijah, the prayer of Hezekiah that God would kill Sennacherib's troops and He did. prayer of Asa, the prayer of Nehemiah once and twice here, once for, for favor and once for strength. The prayer of Isaiah uh, about missions. Prayer of the disciples, prayer of the blind men, prayer of, uh, of uh, the desperate mother, prayer of the disciples again and again, prayer of the tax collector, and then the prayer of Jesus Himself, which was, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do, what He prayed from the cross. These are effective prayers. The Bible uses the word effectual. The fervent, effectual prayer of a righteous man availeth much. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. It is important for us to know about the subject of prayer. First and foremost, put this down if you're taking notes. It's most important to know who you're talking to. Now how many of you have ever gone into, let's say, a meeting? Might have been a business meeting. It might have been you know, a social gathering, but you really did not know ahead of time who you were talking to. You didn't have full grasp of the facts. I got my hand raised. 
Because you can, you can get yourself in pretty deep, can't you? If you don't know who exactly you're talking to, uh, what the scoop is. I believe first and foremost before a person can ever have an effective prayer life, effectual, fervent prayers, that person needs to know the Lord Jesus Christ as personal Savior. Can I get an amen? We need to know who we're talking to. I'm not talking about the Jesus that you imagine in your mind. And we're, we're so subjective in our generation that we think that just because we think a thought that it's so. We think just because an idea passed through our mind that that's a fact. And so people will say, oh yes, I thought it, it must be true. The truth of the matter is, the only Jesus with whom we have to do is the Jesus of this book. The Jesus of the Bible. He is, he is uh, the, the living Word and therefore the, the Word of God reveals to us the character, nature of Jesus Christ and we need to know Him. Now He is the one who says, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He is the one who says, you know, You're looking for a spiritual rest. Well, I'm that spiritual rest. Come to me. Come to me. He's the one who lifts our heavy burden. He's the one who cares for you and me. He's the one who meets our need. He's the one who can help us face our problems and our difficulties. He's the one. He's the Jesus Christ of the Bible. Do you know Him today? You say, well, I know all about Him. There's a world of difference between knowing all about Him and knowing Him. I won't ask you to raise your hand, but can you remember a time and a place when you settled this matter of knowing Jesus Christ in a personal way? I talk to people in many different circumstances of life, and frequently someone will say, well, I pray to Him every night. Well, good. Can you remember when you did this, when you said, Lord Jesus, I can't save myself. I need a Savior. And I want you to come into my life according to the Word of God. Take away my sins. Pay for all of them, past, present, and future, as far as my salvation is concerned. Take away my sins. Begin that new life in me by the Spirit of God. Make me brand new inside and from that we start to grow and mature. We're alive forevermore. And take me right into eternity. When I die, take me to heaven. Can you remember praying? Now, it may not have been those exact words, but that's in essence what you did. You see, that's when a person, the Bible says, gets born again. I've heard people say, well, I got born again when I joined the church. Well, now, you might have gotten born again on the day that you joined the church, but joining the church didn't have anything to do with your getting born again. So he said, well, I got born again. I got saved when I got baptized. You might have got saved the day you got baptized. There's 3,000 of them on the day of Pentecost. But if you're thinking you got saved because you got baptized, you're wrong. Because getting baptized doesn't save anybody. You needed to receive Jesus Christ as your Savior, and you might have incidentally gotten baptized on that same day. Somebody else says, well, uh, I got confirmed. I got saved when I got confirmed. You might have received Jesus Christ on that day, but getting confirmed didn't save you. And anything else that you can list, 
religiously or otherwise, hasn't got anything to do with your getting saved. It's just all down to this. Here it is. Here it is. This is where the rubber meets the road. Are you ready for this? When you ask Jesus in your life, that's when you got saved. And whether you understood it all or not, that's when you got saved. That's it. Amen. I trust, I pray that you've been born again. Because if you haven't been born again, first and foremost, the worst case scenario is, is that you die in that state and you go out into eternity in a place called hell and burn forever with the devil and his angels and you don't want to do that. You need to be born again. You need to get saved the Bible way. Ask Jesus in your heart. That's it. Secondly, if you don't get born again, you don't know who you're talking to when you're praying. Because Jesus Christ is who you're talking to. Say, oh no, I pray to the saints, or I pray to Mary, or I pray to... Well, you, then you're just praying to the plaster, I'm sorry. Because Jesus Christ is the one that we pray to. Do you know Him? Secondly, this is still point one, you need to know who you're talking to. We need to know Him better and better every day. Better and better and better and better every single day. We need to know Him better. And would you say that you're growing in grace, that you're growing in the knowledge of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? Are you getting to know Him better? Do you understand something about Him today that maybe you didn't understand before? We need to be growing. Now, this doesn't make you more or less saved. When you receive Christ as your Savior, God does all the saving. You're not going to be any more or any less saved after that point. But in terms of knowing to whom you're speaking when you pray, it's better, it's better to grow in grace. I appreciate so much our children's prayers when they were little. When they were little. And I remember our guys when they were just little itty-bitty and they would pray. And uh, was it Brad that was praying about the hitters and the kickers and the punchers? Yeah. We'd been talking about not, you know, getting into scuffles and fights and so on and so forth, or people picking on him. And so he was praying, and he was praying for those hitters and punchers and kickers. And so our little boy was praying that, how cute that was. And I thought to myself, you know, God leans in. The Lord Jesus leans in and listens to that and says, I like that. Little Brad's praying about the hitters and the kickers and the punchers. We got some... Bigger hitters and punchers and kickers in life. We've got some bigger problems. But you know what? Jesus likes to lean in and listen. He loves for us to pray, to come to Him. We are praying to someone who doesn't just put up with us. I've heard people say this about prayer incorrectly. Oh, I just hate to trouble the Lord. I hate to trouble the Master. No, 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 no. It's no trouble. It's no trouble. Well, I just keep coming to him. I just keep having these same things over and over. No, no, he loves to hear from you. He loves to hear from you. In fact, I'll go one step further. The more I learn about this Savior, Jesus Christ, the more I realize that he might even allow me to go through something, so I will come to him in prayer. I should have been there anyway, but I wasn't, so he let me go through it to come to him. Think about that. Are you kidding me? I'm not kidding you today. I wouldn't kid you. 
God might let you go through something just so you come to Him in prayer. It's been too long. I think it was Mosey Lister that wrote that song too. How long has it been? Or was it Iris Stanfield? But one of them did. How long has it been since you knelt by your bed and prayed until the dawn, until the dawn's light? My, oh my. We need to come to the Lord. Come often. We need to come without ceasing. We need to come frequently in every circumstance, in every situation. We need to pray effective, fervent prayers. And they will be effective and fervent if, first of all, you know who you're talking to. The Lord and Savior Jesus Christ according to the Bible. And if you're getting to know Him better and better, I love Him better every day. Amen. I love Him better every day. Close by my side, I will, close by His side, I will abide. I love Him better every day. It's important to know who you're talking to. Number two, it's important to know what you're talking about. We need to take a moment as we're praying to think about what we actually want to say. And because we have been taught to pray in a certain formula or certain format, sometimes what we're thinking about is the exact and precise wording of our petition rather than the petition itself. Are you with me today? How many of you are with me today? Sometimes we tend to be more concerned about how we're going to say something to the Lord who already knows all about it. Nothing we pray is for the purpose of informing the Lord. He already knows everything about it before we start to pray. The purpose of our praying it is because He wants us to come to Him in that relationship that we have and lovingly pour out our heart, whatever, even if the words kind of tumble out, guess what? He has no problem putting them in the right order. Amen. So we need to know who we're talking to. We need to get to know Him better. And we need to know what we're talking about. Lord, I've got a problem. Every problem in this world was caused by somebody's sin, somebody's failure to do right, somebody's uh, doing wrong. It may not have been you, but there is a problem in our life and we need to come to Him and realize that God is greater. And so we're talking to the one who knows all about it. He knows the source of it. We need to talk about the subject intelligently. How many times has somebody spoken to you and you were embarrassed for them because they obviously didn't know what they were talking about? And if you were kind and if you were compassionate, you didn't let them know they didn't know what they were talking about. But Think about all the times we've come to God and we haven't got a clue what we're talking about. We need to know what we're talking about. We need, to, we need to give the Lord our best and share with Him our heart and say, Lord, this is breaking my heart. This is tearing me up. This is hurting my family. This is destroying my life. This is hurting my job. And get right down to it. Don't couch your words. Tell God, tell the Lord exactly what's going on with you. It's important to know who you're talking to. It's important to know what you're talking about. And then number three, when you're praying, if you want to pray effectual and fervent prayers, you need to, to know 
what you're hoping and trusting for as a desired result. When you're praying, what do you want God to do? Say, well, I, I'm not sure I have the answer. Then just tell the Lord. I'm not sure what you should do about this, Lord, but please do something. Please take care of it. I know this is hurting. I know this is a, a trial. This is a, a difficult thing. This is a terrible thing. But Lord, now, if you want the Lord to heal you, then say, Lord, please heal me. How tough is that? Say, well, I don't know that that's the Lord's will. Well, ask Him and He'll change your mind. He'll change your prayer if that's not His will. And what He'll do is He'll lead you to pray like the Apostle Paul after he'd asked three times for a thorn to be removed from him. He said, nevertheless, you know, thy will be done. He prayed, he prayed for grace. God gave him grace to get through it. That's it. So what are you hoping for? What are you desiring? Tell the Lord what you're hoping for. If it's selfish, if it's wrong, if it's sinful, if it's out of the will of God, if you are a true born-again believer, the Holy Spirit's going to convict you about it. And maybe mid-prayer, maybe afterwards, you're going to come back and you're going to say, Lord, I shouldn't have prayed that way because now I've been convicted about it. Now, if you don't actually know what the will of God is in a certain thing, then you pray as you're led and leave it up to the Lord to change your prayer if that needs be. God's taught me some things. And I can't say that I always get my prayers answered the way I want to. But he answers yes, and sometimes no, and sometimes wait a while. Just as we've said so very often. In your bulletin, there is a little, a little uh, poem about unseen prayer partners worldwide. And I can recall this happening. My wife and I have both been awakened in the middle of the night. We prayed for somebody, different individuals, and found out later it was exactly at that time that God was intervening. I'm telling you right now, when you wake up in the middle of the night, before you go take your sleeping aid, just say, Lord, you want me to pray for somebody? And all of a sudden you get a name or a face in your mind. Tell you what you do. Lord, I don't know why you want me to pray for this person, but Lord Jesus, in your name, would you intervene right now? Why would God have us mysteriously wake up in the middle of the night to pray for somebody that we don't know their need at that moment, but we pray for them anyway? Why would God do that? So that later on when you have that conversation, they say, what time was that? And they say, that's when God did such and so for me. And you know and have confirmation that there is a God in heaven. I'm talking about a God who will wake you up in the middle of the night and say, pray for that individual. And you don't get an answer as to why you're praying for that individual, but you're obediently praying for that individual. And later on, you find out at that exact moment, God was intervening. There is a God in heaven. I'm not talking about the God that you think of that never does any of the things that I've just talked about. 
I'm talking about the God of the Bible who does those kind of things all the time. There have been times when I have been in a difficult, dangerous situation. And halfway around the world, somebody was praying for me and told me later on. Those occasions that I've described to you on the mission field, we were out in the Philippines, and long story short, our lives were threatened. My life and the life of the pastor who was hosting me. And we were in a vehicle. And there were two members of the insurgent rebel army in civilian clothes driving the vehicle that we were riding in to go to, from point A to point B. And God delivered us. On that same trip, my life was threatened by that same group of insurgents. They heard that the preacher from America was coming to the village. And I was going to speak. And they sent a funeral shirt and a flower and said, if he's in town after sundown, he'll be wearing this. And God delivered us. On more than one occasion, when I did not know who was praying, someone was praying. When I did not know what was going on, God was intervening. And He was doing it through somebody's prayer. And how many of you today would say, Preacher, I want to be part of that sort of thing. I want God to wake me up in the middle of the night. I want to be able to get out and pray about those kinds of things. And then later on hear how God intervened. How many of you here today are in that category? Raise your hand up high. Praise God for those many of you who believe in being unseen prayer partners worldwide. Dr. John R. Rice, in his famous book, Prayer, Asking and Receiving, speaks of, of this process. That real prayer is praying according to the prescription in the Word of God. To pray with importunity. Keep on praying and keep on praying and keep on praying. And God knows ahead of time as we keep on praying. He wants us to pray. It's not that, that God needs extra time. It's that we need the prayer practice. We need to keep on praying and keep on praying because He said, pray, pray, and it ask and it shall be given. Seek and ye shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. It's a continuous prayer where we're praying, we're asking, we're seeking, we're knocking, and God is answering according to His will. And we know that this connection is the plan that God has for Him to bless His people and to intervene and to work miraculously so people can look back and say, yes, there is a God in heaven. Do not expect utopia on earth. Do not expect everything to always be perfect. Do not expect that you will always be well or that you will always have wealth or that you always will get your way because the preachers and the teachers who are preaching and teaching that are misleading you. That's not the way God works. God will work according to His perfect will. We are supposed to pray. 
And as God changes our prayer, we will pray accordingly and we will pray and expect God to answer. And as He answers, He will prove Himself again and again. It's about who God is. It's about uh, His reputation. It's about how powerful He is. It's about a lost and dying world that needs to know that Christians are not victims, but Christians are victorious through the Lord Jesus Christ. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes, please? Every head bowed, every eye closed. Do you know who you're talking to when you pray? Do you know, do you know what you're praying about? And do you know what your desire is as a result of that prayer? How many today would say, Preacher, the Spirit of God moved on my heart today about my prayer life, about being a fervent, a warmer prayer warrior. If God spoke to you, would you put your hand up high? I'm raising my hand. I tell you what, some of us need a real boost when it comes to the matter of prayer effectiveness. How many of you right now would say, Preacher, been a long time. Since I've felt, sensed prayers being heard and answered, pray for me. Stick your hand up. Come on, put it up high. Let me see. It's been a long time. Yes. Amen. Amen. Lord, grant it. Hear their prayers. Lord, grant, according to your will, the answers to their prayers. How many of you right now say, Preacher, there's somebody else in my life or in our life that needs special prayer? Somebody else, put your hand up high. Come on, somebody else that needs special prayer. Amen. Amen. Would you be willing to pray that kind of a prayer without ceasing? That kind of a warm, effectual, a fervent prayer? Are you willing? And today when the invitation is given, I expect that God will speak to a number of hearts of people who will yield to Him and will come forward and find a place and pray and say, Lord, I just need help in my prayer life. I need to be an effective prayer warrior. I want to be that kind of a prayer. With heads bowed and eyes closed, it may be that you've never been saved the Bible way, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And you haven't been and you need to be right now where you're seated. Will you pray from your heart to God? Something like this. Dear God, just pray from your heart. Dear God, I admit that I'm a sinner. I admit that I'm a sinner. I deserve to pay for my sins. I deserve to pay for my sins. I believe Jesus died to save me. I believe Jesus died to save me. Right now I receive the Lord Jesus Christ into my heart. Right now I receive the Lord Jesus Christ into my heart as my personal Savior, as my personal Savior. Please take away my sins. Please take away my sins and take me to heaven when I die. And take me to heaven when I die. If you prayed that prayer just now and you meant it, would you slip your hand up high so I can see it? There is peace and